Happy Easter. Come on. Wow, it's so good to see so many, so many unfamiliar faces and familiar faces. I love it. Um, wow, I'm like shaking because I can just, it's been so good already this morning. Can you guys hear me? Okay, just making sure. I feel like I'm a little quiet. Um, man, my name is Andrew Fish. I'm the associate pastor here, and I want to introduce my wife. Come on. Come on. You want to introduce yourself, Emily Fish? My name is Emily Fish. Yeah. Wife of Andrew. We're really here to hear her speak, not me. Um, <laughs> so, man, we are so, so happy to be here. Um, just so thankful for what the Lord is doing in this house. And um, I just want to take a moment. I'm really struggling with this thing, so I'm just going to stick it in a pocket. There it is. That ought to work. All right. Oh, you know what? I need to go grab the clicker. Oh, thanks, man. We're prepared this morning, we promise. Hey, convergence exists to encounter Jesus and transform cities with his power and his love. That is who we are this morning. This is, this is our heart's cry. So listen, if this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Really. And I just want to say, too, like, man, I just had this on my heart this morning. Like, there is no perfect church. (laughs) And so we're just glad you're here wherever you're at in life, that you came this morning. And our desire as a house, we're, we're not, this isn't about attending something. It's about belonging. It's about being a family. We're a family here at Convergence. We surround each other, we cover each other, we go after the Lord. That's the reason why it's encounter Jesus. What does that mean? It means to meet with him. Every Sunday, but every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, we're going to meet with the Lord. It's corporate, but individual. And then through that place, we transform a city. Listen, we are not here just to have Sunday morning Christianity anymore. We're not here for that. And so if, you, if this is your first time, I just want to welcome you into that. And we would, love, we would love for you to come to our Discover Convergence class. This is our time next Sunday. We have it after the service. And this is just a time where you can meet, you can meet our staff, you can meet our team, you can learn more about our vision, our values, who we are, what we are all about. Um, and we would love to have you join us. So if, if you're a guest, I just want to encourage you to come next Sunday to discover. And again, I just believe something really amazing happens when you plug in and you, you plant your seed and allow it to grow in an environment like this. So I just want to encourage you to do that. All right. Oh, let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that we're, we're not here just to have a good service. We're not here just to listen, just to spectate, but we are here to meet with you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I, I'm here to see you in a way that I've never seen you before. And so, Jesus, we just ask you this morning, Lord, that you would that you would move, that your voice would be so prevalent, God, 
And we just love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right. So this morning, we're going to talk about John 20, where Mary goes um, into the garden to look at the tomb. And throughout this message, we've asked um, a few people specifically um, to come up and share how they have seen the Lord um, in their life. So um, we just really believe this morning as we were preparing, we feel like the Lord just wants to really encounter each one of us in a new and fresh way. So let's get started. Yeah, and and with that too, I just, so this is what we're going to be doing this morning. And you can, you can look at this. This is the sheet that we've asked some, um, some people to come up and share. With this, this message of John 20 is Mary, what we're going to find is Mary's going to run and she's going to say, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. And so what we've asked a few people to share is just a way that Jesus has been real to them. And they're going to come up and do that. But I want to give you a chance to do this. Because there's, listen, I think sometimes we get caught in like, what is evangelism? Evangelism is your life reflecting the testimony and the encounter that you've had with Jesus. That's what it is. It doesn't have to be complicated. We overcomplicate things. Just run into somebody at Walmart and pull them aside and say, I have seen the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? Oh, that's so good. Yeah, exactly. And so you can scan the QR code, and it'll pull up there, and you can actually download that document. And what I would love for you to do um, is I'd love for you to actually send that to us. Even, Even better, post it on your social media feeds. Like, post this. Like, I have seen the Lord. Here's a way that I have seen the Lord. And call people into that. So... Oh, there's a lot of people still taking pictures of that. And so, and so you can email testimonies at convergencechurch.com with that. I would love, we would love to hear from you. All right. John 20, turn in your Bibles. John chapter 20. We're going to read it. We're going to dive in. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse three, so Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped, and she looked into the tomb. 
and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. I want you to see this, verse 18. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples five words. I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. I love that passage, and one thing I love about about this the story, you can read, you can read the, the story of Jesus' resurrection in all four Gospels. And what I love is when you put them all together, they all give different perspectives, which is beautiful. Something that's important when you read the Gospels is that the different accounts don't contradict, they actually complement. It's beautiful. And, and so, like, for example, the passage that we're going to read here in John 20 focuses specifically on Mary Magdalene. But if you read these other passages, Matthew 28 mentions that there was another Mary that came to the tomb. If you read Mark, it actually says that that other Mary might have been mother the, was, was Mary the mother of James and Salome. And then Luke 24 even adds Joanna. Don't you love that these were women, by the way? Does that not fascinate anybody? I love that. I love that. Like these women, they, not only did they linger at the cross when Jesus died, but they're the ones mentioned most prevalently when it comes to visiting the tomb. That's amazing. And so I love that. So, but there's one thing that is in common amongst all four Gospels. And do you know what it is? Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four Gospels as approaching the tomb in this time. And so John, he, John here in John 20, he's presenting it with a focus on Mary Magdalene specifically. So we're going to look back at the history of who is Mary Magdalene. So in Luke 8, it talks about how she encountered Jesus for the first time and he delivered her um, from seven demons. And then it talks about how she traveled with him. She became a part of his ministry. Um, she supported his ministry. Sometimes, you know, it shows even financially she was an eyewitness to the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus as well. And so as we were talking about this message, um, many of you have probably seen the series, The Chosen. And we're going to show this clip of, um, of the first time that Jesus encountered Mary, and, or first time Mary encountered Jesus. And I want you to focus on two things. I want you to focus on the kindness and mercy of Jesus that met her in her place, it's, it will change you. The second thing I want you to, um, to pick up on is they were calling her something different, and Jesus called her by name. He spoke identity into her. And so 
this one encounter with Jesus changed her life. It changed the course of her life. And one encounter with Jesus can change the course of your life. So we're going to watch that. And then, um, Laquita, I want you to come up and share. Don't distract me, too. Come on. Not now. Not now. She smells anyway. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Enough of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from you. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lily, please listen to what I'm saying. says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Kindness and mercy, he meets us every time. All right, Laquita. Wow. Good morning. Happy Easter. <laughs> Thank you, um, Emily and Andrew, for this opportunity to share this morning. Um, I grew up in a Christian home and in the church. We were there many days of the week. 
Um, I knew about God, and I'm so thankful for the foundation that God laid in my heart. Um, our family was our church family. Uh, 20 years ago as a college, so I had that foundation, and then when I went to college is when he really became real to me, when I had that encounter like Mary Magdalene with him. I was at a party on campus, and I literally heard the voice of God. So I grew up in church, but I never heard the voice of God speak audibly to me. And he said, why are you here? I was like, who said that? <laughs> and I looked around, and I was like, I don't know. And I left, and I had no desire to go anymore. And so I got saved in college. And I had a group of close friends, and God just began to save us like dominoes, one after the other. And four of us went into campus ministry together, and I know he's real. I've seen the transformation in my life and in the life of others. Um, he hears all. He sees all. I went into campus ministry, saw many um, college students get saved, mission trips, people healed, set free, delivered. So I had that encounter with God. 20 years ago. Fast forward to the past four years of my life. They've been some of the darkest nights of my life. I went through a separation and later a divorce, which was the last thing I ever wanted for my life because there was a history of that in my family and I wanted to break that curse. So I felt disappointed, lost, and broken, becoming a single mother along the way, internally, emotionally, physically lost felt spiritually forgotten, disappointed by God, but I knew we had a history together. One lady prayed over me that during that time there was a thread of hope. I was hanging on by a thread, but he never let go of me. And what the common thread is in the high times and the low times, the thread is his people. How do I know God is real? Because of the people that he's placed in my life. Um, my daughter, she's a little firecracker, if you've ever met her, Zoe. <laughs> um, and I've, I've gotten a lot of God kisses. My friends, we like to call them God kisses when God does something where you know he's real. Like two years ago, I just wanted her to have a bike because my late father imparted in us a love for bike riding. So one day I came to church and Marcy sought me out and she's like, hey, do you want a bike for Zoe? I don't even remember praying for it. I just wanted one <laughs> for my daughter, and we still ride bikes today with that. So that was a God kiss. A couple months ago, I came home from work, and I was just feeling kind of down. And this had never happened before. Once again, my daughter had gone shopping with my mother and bought me a dress. And... My mom was like, she wanted to get you earrings and shoes and all this with her little money from birthdays. <laughs> she bought it for me. And God just showed me that he loves me and he sees me. He sings over me in the morning. He speaks to me in my dreams. If I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't praise him enough. I know God is real. And the greatest evidence to me next to the blood of Jesus is his sacrifice on the cross Next to the sacrifice on the cross is how he shows up through his people. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. And many people have encouraged me, prayed for me, prophet prayed. That's prophesying and praying together. <laughs> they prophet prayed over me, stood with me, 
supported me, loved me, checked on me. Every Sunday, Sue Ellen checks on me. How you doing? I'm praying for you. She's like my, my godmother here at church. Um, it's Grandma Donna. She loves on me and Zoe. Prays for us. Proper praise all the time. Um, I'm thankful for the micro church that I was a part of, the Audis, who went through that darkest night, went with me, the worship team, Pastor Stephen Marcy, who have shown authenticity and just modeling power, authenticity, and humility. And Stacy Sanders, who also proper, proper prayed over me many times. And the worship team, who's just loved on me and my daughter. And basically, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And we can only love because he first loved us. And Ephesians 1.18 also says that the inheritance is in the saints. So when God puts somebody on your heart, call them. I don't overlook the calls, the texts. The call when you're, so, when you're down and somebody just texts you out the blue, it seems like, but it's God being real to you. Come on. So that's, what, that's how God has been real to me. That's the common thread is his people. And I know he's not dead. He's alive. I have seen the Lord. Come on. Wow. Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Jerry, let's have you share next. Come on. Isn't this great? Testimonies. I love it. Come on. Hi, my name is Jerry Christensen, and I've been asked to uh, share a way that Jesus has been real to me. Um, this happened two years ago during the Easter season, and uh, my wife had taken a DNA test. She had an incredible testimony out of that. She wanted me to take one. And I said, well, there's no mysteries in my family, and yet I got the biggest shock of my life. Uh, my dad was not my dad. Hmm. Uh, and wow. I struggled with... Uh, all the emotions, I'm going to try to do this without crying, but I struggle with all the emotions that you might imagine. Uh, gosh, there was, there was just this guilt of being part of something that, you know, could have torn uh, the family apart. It was uh, embarrassment. It was going to my kids and saying, yeah, I know I told you that you look like grandpa, but, uh, and I was so proud of a grandma that was 104 years old and being part of that, and, and it was just, all of these emotions, and, and there was even an anger toward my mother. Now, figure that out in pretzel logic. It's like I was a result of what had happened through an affair, but here I am, and, and, and I owe my life to it, and, and I couldn't wrap my brain around that. And I had to go to God, and I said, God, what, why? why? Why find out at 64 years old? That, that I'm illegitimate. Why, why? And God brought incredible comfort through several things. First of all, he showed me that my life was a miracle. Wow. I should not have been here. I came from a poor family. We were upper, lower class. We were always struggling with uh, money. Uh, there was pressure. I had three older brothers and sisters. And I would be number four in a struggling family where mom and dad didn't get along. Both parents knew that, that I was illegitimate. 
and there was every reason to terminate a pregnancy. My sister told me later on, she said that my mom had terminated many pregnancies. Wow. And I was the poster child now for an unwanted pregnancy. And yet, here I am. Come on. And God brought me to an incredible change. Uh, I saw myself as a miracle. He saw me in the womb. I saw the incredible courage of my mother to go through with a pregnancy that could destroy her marriage and to give me a, a, a normal life, to you know, not have me feel a stigma of that. I felt an incredible honor for my dad because every one of my brothers and sisters, when I had that, are you sitting down conversation with them? They said, well, dad never treated you any different. Nobody knew. And, and my dad loved me, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I want to say that there was no spirituality in our family. There was no prayers around the table. There were no relatives who knew Jesus. There was no going to church. There was no spiritual bearing at all. And of the whole broken nest that I grew up in, I was the worst of the bunch because I called myself in, in arrogance and self-reliance I called myself an atheist and I was an atheist until February 19th 1977 that was my last day of atheism because on February 20th I was born again Come on. and I never doubted I wow. never doubted a moment after that that I was a Christian that Jesus had risen, that he was my Lord and Savior. Never a doubt for a single day wow. in over 40 years. And so I've seen myself as a miracle. And what happened after that February 20th, within two months, my sister gets saved. My mother gets saved. Later on, other family members and nieces and nephews get saved. And I saw the purpose and the plan that God had Wow. for my life to take this broken mess and, and to bring the light of salvation through Jesus Christ into my family. And I'll take just one more uh, second here. Uh, I'm, without his permission, Tom brought me a, uh, Tom Weisinger brings me a poem right over here just before the service. He said, I saw the face of God today. I saw it in a child at play. I heard the voice of God today. In that child's voice, it seemed to say, I saw you many years ago. I saw you. Yes, it's true. The child you saw today at play, it reminds me much of you. It seems as if the child at play so happy and carefree was simply God's unfailing love, a precious memory. Thank you, Tom. Um, so, I want to say he's not dead, and he's alive, and I've seen the Lord today. Come on. Wow. <sighs> Man, is that hitting anybody else like it's hitting me? We don't even have to preach anymore. That was so good. Come on. When you see him, everything changes. 
like that clip of Mary just wrecks my heart because that, like, that was all of us, right? Stuck in that place, not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. Who am I? Just one more drink. Just one more look at pornography. Just one more thing. And then Jesus says, no, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. And I want you to catch the connection between these two moments. Because what does Jesus do here in the garden? Mary. She doesn't recognize him. She doesn't see. She's like, this could be the gardener. I don't know who this is. He speaks identity. As if in that moment, it was Luke 8 when he said, Mary. And he casts out seven demons. It was, a, it was that return in that moment where her heart was awakened because she knew her voice. She knew his voice saying, Mary, Mary. And this, this just like, this is when she meets the resurrected Jesus. And up until this point, I want you to see Mary is weeping in the garden. This is a moment of uncertainty. This is a moment of, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. Where have they taken him? This man that she spent so much time with, that changed her life, altered the trajectory of her life. It even says in Luke that Mary was probably wealthy and even helped finance his ministry. She's been walking with him. And now, where is he? And it's this uncertainty. But Mary lingers in the garden. She stays. She could have run, but she stayed. The disciples ran back home, but Mary stayed in the garden. And I believe this is why Jesus appeared to Mary first, is because sometimes in your greatest hour of difficulty, what the Lord wants you to do is stay. Linger by, linger in the garden. Linger by the tomb. (laughs) When things seem dead, stay in that place because what would happen next would change everything. It would alter Mary's life again, and it would give her new purpose and a new mission. So Jesus declaring Mary's name right here awakened something in her heart that allowed her to see the newly resurrected Jesus for who he truly was. So it was the familiar voice of Jesus. She knew his voice. And I think sometimes in our life we look at our circumstance and we don't recognize Jesus. Like, where are you? Um, It doesn't look like him. It doesn't look like he's there. And if you know Andrew and I's story over the last year, um, it took us over a year to get pregnant, and we got pregnant with our, we actually got pregnant with two precious twins, and um, we lost one really early. And our son Judah, um, he was perfect, and um, I lost him later on in pregnancy. And he he died, and I um, unexpectedly delivered him at home in our bathroom, and um, I was rushed to the hospital because I was losing a lot of blood and rushed to surgery, and um, it was the most traumatic day of my life. And um, you look at that, and if I told you the whole story, you might be thinking, where was Jesus? <laughs> um, because I asked that same question, and um, I told the Lord, I was like, I need you 
to show me every spot that you were at that day. I need to see you. (laughs) I know your voice was there. I heard you, but I need to see you. And so he took me back. He took me back to the bathroom where he was. He took me back where he was with Addie, where he was with Andrew. I was in surgery. He even orchestrated like, the interstate, getting us there quickly and um, orchestrating the team of doctors and nurses that saved me. And um, I can only sit here and stand up here because I have seen the Lord. And <laughs> I just... I wonder with Mary, like, as I was thinking back, like, she thought he was the gardener. (laughs) Like, just think about that. Like, what different in Jesus it looked like. And sometimes Jesus looks different in each of our circumstances, too. But I really invite you to reflect on whatever circumstance that you need Jesus to show up for you. You need him to reveal himself. He will be faithful to reveal himself. He was and he is always there to reveal himself and to show you where he is. Wow. <laughs> That's so good. Wow. Yeah, Daniel, why don't you share? Why don't you come share? Howdy. My name is Daniel, and um, I felt like... Uh, there's so many things I could say, but there's, I felt like I was supposed to share this story. But um, so I lived in uh, I lived in Turkey for a little bit in Istanbul, Turkey for for a couple of years, and um, uh, I uh, went to a went to a region in the center of Turkey called Cappadocia. Cappadocia is a is a phenomenal area, and um, one of the very interesting area. One of, one one thing they have there is uh, these underground cities that were built centuries and centuries ago. Um, in which people, you know, lived down there to uh, kind of protect themselves from uh, invading armies. And very fascinating. Um, I w- visited this one city that went 11 stories down under the earth. And um, uh, we couldn't go that far. We can only go a, a, few, a few stories down. But um, So we were going, touring around, and th- at the end, toward the end, the tour guide, um, he let us kind of, you know, go, go explore a little bit. So People were poking their heads in, you know, bedrooms and these and cooking rooms and these ventilation shafts and these even even stables they had. Um, and I was drawn over here to this one dark tunnel, and uh, and there's no more lights down there, and it was just calling my name. And I don't know if I was allowed to go down there, you know, it was a little bit of a gray area, and I didn't uh, seek to, you know, clarify, but. You know, I went. I kind of went down there. I, took, I, I put my uh, my head my headlamp on, and I just go down, 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 and it's dark and dark and dark, and I just keep going down, down into the depths of the earth. And um, at the end, there's this there's this tunnel. I mean, sorry, there's this room. Um, and so I go into this room, and it's just this completely blank room. And I sit down in the dirt in this room, and I was I, it was I was it was jolting. All of a sudden, I was. I realized the silence. There was complete, complete and utter silence. And, you know, we've been in, everyone's been in silence before, but it was different. It's different. It w- there was no, you know, buzzing of the, of, of, uh, the, the AC system, system, or even if we all were completely silent right now, it wouldn't be silent. Here it was completely silent. No distant traffic, no chirping of birds, no muttered voices. 
and it was it was a little it was jolting um but i i as i was as i was sitting in silence i heard his voice so clearly he just said i am here and i was just like yeah you are here aren't you <laughs> i was like yeah i know it you're here and uh and then I took my headlamp and I just shut it off. Complete and utter darkness. Put my hand in front of my face, nothing. And so I'm sitting in this dirt room, several st stories down in the earth. And, um, and it's a little bit terrifying, a little bit, honestly. Utter darkness, overwhelming silence. But then it was just exhilarating because I knew... I was in the presence. I was sitting in that room with Jesus. And, and I, 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 in some ways, felt like I was in Jonah in the belly of the whale or, or like, the, in the tomb with Jesus. Like, it was, I was sitting, in, not in the tomb with Jesus, but that's what it felt like. I was sitting right next to him. Um, and it was undeniable. And, you know, silence can be, you know, it can be, Frederick Buechner said, um, we are none of us very good at silence because it says too much, and we fill our lives with, with noise a lot of times so that we don't face, you know, the things that we need to face full on. Um, but in that, in that moment, his voice was overwhelming in that silence. I am here. Wow. And um, so I've, I've gone back to that a lot. He is, he is here. In the darkest moment of your life, in the darkest room, the most silent room, he is here. He is here. He is here. And even in that room, when I saw nothing, when I couldn't see a thing, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. He is alive. Come on. So when he called her name, it shifted everything, it shifted her whole life. It brought her, it awakened her eyes to see, it awakened her heart. It changed the trajectory of her life again. Um, it brought her out of grief and it brought her into a greater reality of the newly resurrected Jesus. Nikki, we're going to have you come share now. Um, wow, I've been crying all morning. This is so good. So the story that came to mind after they asked me to share was whenever I was seven years old and I got saved. So uh, I remember everyone had told me how you get saved, you know, at church is, you know, out of Romans 10, that scripture, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. And I definitely believed that. I believed what they were telling me. And I really wanted to be saved, and I didn't want to go to hell. So <laughs> I, <laughs> it was a really, it was a big deal. So I remember being seven, and I remember I was in bed, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I really wanted to do it right. And I, so I prayed the prayer that I remembered them telling me how to pray, and, um, but I really wasn't sure if it took, you know? So like the next, yeah. <laughs> so the next night, I did the same thing. I was in bed, and I was like, okay, like. 
Jesus, I really, really believe that you raised from the dead. Like, I really believe in my heart. And then, I don't know, in my little kid heart, I was like, do I really believe? You know, did I say it right? And then I was, like, trying to review in my head. Um, <laughs> clearly, I was a very overthinking seven-year-old. Um, <laughs> what they told me to do and how to do it. I mean, but hell was on the line, people. I mean, come on now. <laughs> so... I did this for like many nights. I lost count. Like it was this thing where I would keep saying the prayer that I thought I should pray and m trying really hard to believe in my heart, right? Because I really, really just wanted to be saved. And I remember one night I was about to, I was like about to say it again. Like, I don't know, it was like this nightly ritual. And Jesus was real. He wasn't in the story, and he wasn't just this thing that they told me to pray about. And I, I, it wasn't like audible, but like this peace came over me, and he's like, you, you don't have to keep saying that prayer anymore. I've saved you. I've got you. Like, it was done. It was done, and it wasn't the perfection of my prayer, and it wasn't my perfection of faith. It was just him, and he really was real. And little did I know at the time in my seven-year-old heart that that issue that was settled there would become not only a defining moment, obviously, that I was saved, but, but that it would keep happening for the rest of my life. That every time I was scared, I didn't know if I did good enough or I was enough, that he would keep coming back over and over and over again. I'm here. I've got you. I don't think I'll ever get over. I will never get over him as savior he is the savior and he keeps saving me he did yesterday and the day before when i'm wor worried and i'm scared and he just keeps coming back i have seen the lord he is alive he's so real wow. this entire moment that we've been building up to here in John throughout the whole service is when Jesus says Mary's name, right? What happens in that moment? What happens when Jesus calls your name? Everything that was before that moment no longer matters. See, everything that was before this moment in the garden didn't matter anymore. The weeping, the uncertainty, the worry, the where have they laid him? That question wasn't in Mary's mind any longer. It was gone. <gasps> you can picture this moment like Mary's demeanor is she's, she's by the tomb and her heart is broken. Where have they laid him? And then all of a sudden, Mary. Mary. From grief to joy, from lost to found, from I, I don't know what's happening to I have seen the Lord. And it's this beautiful moment, and Jesus says something interesting here in, in verse 17. He says, stop clinging to me. What? Shouldn't we cling to him? Why would he say that? He's, that word clinging actually can be interpreted as touch or laying hold of. I think she was clinging to him because it was this moment of like, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go again. 
you're here again. I'm not going to let you go. And she's, she's clinging to this place. She's, she wants to hug him. She's missed him. But Jesus actually tells her to stop. And in effect, what I think Jesus is communicating to Mary is this. Don't go on clinging in to what is in me is familiar to you. Don't, don't, don't go on clinging to maybe even what once was the past, but step back, take a good look, and then go and tell. Go and tell. Oh, are you catching the weight of this? We go from weeping to joy to mission. Mary gets a new mission. Mary goes from, oh, I'm weeping, I don't know where he is, to Mary, to joy, to I have seen the Lord. Why? Because Jesus says, now is not a moment. I'm about to ascend to the Father. You can't just cling on to this moment. You have to have my mission inside of you. You have to have me inside of you, and I want you to let me out. This is the moment where you need to run to my disciples, and you need to say, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Mary gets an entire new mission statement. Go tell them. Go. And so I just think this is beautiful. Like, this is what everything has been building up to. Her encounter with Jesus. She met Jesus. She saw Jesus. She heard his voice. It didn't just change her life. It provided her with a new calling. Your encounter isn't just for you. It's for others. It isn't just about you, but it's about your life message being, I have seen the Lord. Like Mary literally saw him in the flesh. She physically saw him. Now today, we, we may not physically see him, but we can see him by faith. I see him every moment of every day by faith. By faith. We know he is real. You've heard testimonies today. Like, I don't see how you can sit in this room with the testimonies and not walk out with, I have seen the Lord. Like, it's bubbling in me. I want to run to Walmart right now, get on the intercom, and say, I have seen the Lord. Like, this is what happens when you see him. Mary's declaration was and still is the most important thing we must realize. Listen, this morning, you're not here by accident. Jesus isn't just a story. Jesus isn't just a historical figure. He isn't just something that we talk about on Sundays. Jesus isn't just a man that died on the cross, but he's a man that rose again. Oh, and I love the cross, but man, when you, ca- when you get the cross and the resurrection, he is not dead. He is alive. That's what this says. He is not dead. He is alive. What does that mean? It means that you can see him. Oh, come on. We're not here worshiping a God that died in a tomb. There's so many other, other religions out there that are worshiping people that are dead. Jesus is alive. He is alive. He is alive. So by faith, listen to this, by faith you can walk with the resurrected Jesus. Through the Spirit, 
your life can be made alive in him. You can see the Lord. Can I get some keys? I want us to stand this morning. And we're going to, listen, we've heard so many people share encounters with Jesus. But I just believe that right now, Jesus wants to encounter some people in this room. He's calling your name this morning like he did Mary's. And I just want to say this, like listen, he wants you to see him this morning. He wants you to carry that revelation, I have seen the Lord. This morning as I was praying, I, I felt like the Lord said, I want to deliver people from dead Christianity. I want to deliver people from this idea that Jesus is, is we're, like he's still in the tomb. He's not in the tomb. He's alive. He is alive. What does that mean for your life? It means that while things may not look the way you want them to, maybe there's dead things in your life right now. Maybe there's those things where you're like, maybe it's you're struggling and you barely made it here this morning. I want you to know that Jesus is alive for you this morning. Jesus is alive. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves you and he's alive and he wants you to meet him this morning. So I just, I, I just want to give this call this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never met him, if you don't know where you're going when you die, if you don't know if you're going to heaven, if you don't know if you don't know this man that is not dead, but he's alive, this man that died on a cross, Ephesians 2, 8 says, by grace you have been saved through faith. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to meet Jesus. So if that's you, I want you to hold your hand up really high, and I just want you to raise it up. If you're in the room, if you're on live stream, you can enter into this too. If you don't know Jesus, just raise your hand. And I want to have someone come pray with you this morning. Jesus. If you're on the live stream and that's you, it's not difficult. Sometimes we make salvation difficult. It's easy. It's just saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I forgive me of my sins. I repent for my sins. And I come now and I ask you that you would come in and that you would fill those places. That you would fill those places. That you would take my sin. That you took my sin on the cross and now I am forgiven. And I step into that and I just say, Jesus, would you come in and I make you Lord of my life this morning. If you're on live stream and you prayed that prayer, Jesus is within you now through the Holy Spirit. If you're in here and you prayed that prayer, I just want to say you made the best decision of your entire life. And now you can be assured that you are going to heaven. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus. 
invite you to, if they, if you're in circumstances in your life where you need Jesus, you need to see Jesus show up. He's there. I want you to pray and just ask him to show, reveal himself. He will be faithful to show you exactly where he is. The second thing I want to do is this. If, 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 that, if you're in a place in your life where you walked into this room this morning and you're like, I don't see him. I don't know where he is. Maybe you're struggling with something and that even that statement, I have seen the Lord, you're like, I don't know if I could say that. I want you to come to the front. Regardless of what circumstance that is, maybe it's just you're, you're struggling with something in your life right now. And you're like, I don't know if I hear God's voice. I don't know if he's real. I want you to come up here. I want you to just come to the front. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord. Because he wants you to see him this morning. For everyone else, for those of us that are just standing in the room right now, I just want you to, to just take a moment. And Lord, we this morning, we thank you that we, see, that we see you. We thank you that we see you this morning, Lord. Oh God, we don't have to be perfect to see you. We don't have to have everything together to see you. We see you because of who you are. We see you because of what you've done for us. We see you because you are not dead, you are alive. We can see you in every circumstance. We can see you even when it's dark, even when it's difficult. We can come out like Mary did and say, I have seen the Lord. So Lord, this morning I'm asking Jesus that you would show yourself that we would see you in a fresh way, Lord. We just thank you for a fresh encounter a fresh encounter, Lord. For a fresh encounter, Lord. And Lord, we, as your people, God, we say that we will pick up the mission that you gave Mary. And we will run from this place and we will say, I have seen the Lord. Oh God, there's people that need to be in this room that are not in this room. And you're called to bring them into this room to say, by saying, I have seen the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for that place, Lord, and for that call. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, wow. The last thing we wanted to do is this. And this might, again, <laughs> welcome to Convergence Church. We like to shake up religion. One thing, what we're going to do in, in just a minute, in the count of three, is we're going to shout, I have seen the Lord. We're going to shout it so loud that Fort Worth hears it. I have seen the Lord. Come on, if you're in this room, I think most of us are believers in this room we can say that we've seen him 
So we're going to let this cry come out. And let this be a declaration that we leave this Easter Sunday with. Go home. Go to your family. Go to lunch. And, and have that on your lips. I have seen the Lord. Are you ready? All right, ready? One, two, three. I have seen the Lord. Woo! Jesus, wow. <laughs> All right, well, we're so glad you joined us today. Again, discover next week. If, if this is your first time here, we want to invite you to find out more about us and to go forth Easter and say, I have seen the Lord. We have ministry teams that can come to the front. If you need prayer, please come up. We, we would love to pray for you. Have a great day.